Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi guys and welcome to Adulting. This is the podcast where I try to figure out all the things that we're supposed to know as grown-ups but probably don't know and also looking at things that shape the way we grow up in this world. And today I'm joined by Alice. Hello. <laughs> so Alice is a author, personal trainer, Instagram influencer, fitness extraordinaire. How else would you introduce <laughs> That's yourself? That's a very nice introduction, I'm blushing. <laughs> um, yeah, I would... Oh, the only other thing that I add to that sometimes is... Um, that I, I used to be a performer. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. I actually had that in my head. You were an Annie, weren't you? I was. I was. Yeah. Um, and so today, Alice and I are going to talk about a bit of a sensitive topic, but we kind of wanted to go into talking about toxic relationships and domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a heavy one. Mm. But I think it's something that's maybe a bit more common than we think. Absolutely. And I think, like, the more we can talk about it and normalise talking about it, the more, or the less people, sorry, that will probably be at home not telling anyone, yeah. you know? I hope that people listen to this, will listen to um, some of the other stuff that I've done talking about my experiences and be like, oh God. And even notice like things in their relationship that they wouldn't necessarily have yeah. classed as abuse, but actually might have been. So, yeah. It's really interesting because Alice is probably one of the first ever fitness people I followed. And I got into fitness because I came out of a really bad relationship when I was in my the end of my like first year of uni and I had no idea that you'd ever been through anything like that and I think I wrote one post about it once maybe like two years ago I remember following you because I followed you as well um soon after you followed me and I remember seeing your relationship and it's really funny and I think this is the world that we live in now but like to all um exterior people I would have never known that anything was wrong and your relationship online was always very kind no, of no that was my boyfriend after oh sorry <laughs> oh my god no that's fine so before I had an Instagram okay right, sorry, yeah. sorry right. so then I kind of made it after we broke up got it and got into had a PT because I was like in my head I was like I'm gonna fix this all well I kind of explained so I was in this relationship but it wasn't like a whole year I don't think and I basically he kind of made me feel like he was my whole life Mm -hmm. so he made me feel like everything was dependent on him he was Mm -hmm. like you can't go back home over the summer what would you have to move in with me so I lived with him over the summer when I was at uni he used to stop me from seeing all my friends didn't like any of my friends he was quite like controlling he'd be like you're not very attractive not this blah blah and then it culminated eventually in him actually like physically going like again beating me up however you want to say it and then I kept getting back with him because I, I remember going to see him after I'd been to the hospital with my mum. And my mum was like, you can't see him. You can't go back to uni. Like, I'm so your mum knew? Yeah, well, I rang my sister the next day and told her. And she was like, you need to get a train to London now. 
Um, and I was like, don't tell mum. She's like, won't tell mum. Obviously got there and my mum looked at me and was like, what mm. the hell has happened? And mm. she knew like straight away. So they took me to the hospital and then they were like, you need to tell us who's done this. And I would not say. And my mum was saying his name, but they were like, it has to come from you. And I just wouldn't say it. I was like, I'm not going to tell on him. Like, I don't want him to get in trouble. He had a previous mm. criminal record for mm. getting in fights when he was drunk is mm. what he said. But obviously, yeah. God knows. And then I went back to uni and I saw him and he cried and I felt really bad for him. And I rang his mum and I said, I hope you know that I'm not going to get in trouble. Like, your brain is so... Yeah, so, like, everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, my God, it's almost like you're shining a mirror on, like, my Mm. experiences. And I think you're right in that you highlighted that first behaviour is that isolation. Mm. So it's like, it always starts very kind of slow. And it almost, I always say, I, I was 16... And I hadn't really had many proper relationships before. It's probably my first serious relationship. And so when someone wanted to know where I was all the time and to know um, what I was doing, um, to look at my phone, Mm. um, to ask who I was speaking to, to question whether I was like speaking to other boys, I, in my head, was like, oh my God, this boy must really like me. Like, Mm. he must really like me. I, I like, how amazing. You know, I've never had someone be like this before. And... As a teenage girl who I'm sure we all did suffer from, you know, confidence issues and trying to find yourself in the world, for someone to, like, pin, pinpoint you as, like, I like this person and I want to spend mm. my t- all my time with them, you feel really special. And I had a lot of stuff going on at home that meant that I just always wanted to be out of the house. I wanted to be out. I wanted to be doing stuff. I, 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 I wanted independence quite young and I was always very kind of, like... Um, strong-willed and strong-minded and so he gave me that freedom so at the same time as him almost like closing his clasp on me I never saw it as that I saw it as wow how amazing is this how exciting I'm going around with a guy that drives and um that you know is really cares about me buys me stuff takes me for nice dinners and that's how he sort of really reeled me in Mm. and I'm sure like yours was the same and the physical stuff only crept in after like I would say maybe like I can't remember exactly but I would say maybe four months and it always starts like really um small yeah and I always say to people like when you see domestic violence on tv it's it's never it's never the same it's always very dramatic and you don't really see the psychological elements of what actually goes into to the whole um domestic violence experience um, or the experience of a domestic relation, uh, violence relationship. Because for me, it wasn't about the slap or the hit or whatever, or the emotional abuse. It was like the stuff that came afterwards. Yeah. And it was, so the first time we were in the car, we were driving, he, I'd gone to I'd gone to watch him play football. And that was another thing. Like I dropped everything so that, I'd bring him in lunch. I yeah. I'd like miss a lecture to go and take his lunch yeah. to where he worked. How yeah. weird. I dropped everything and suddenly became this person who was wanting to spend every minute of mm. every day with this person, with him. And so I'd gone to um, watch him play football on a weekend and we were in the car driving back and I can't even remember what I'd said. Honestly, can't remember. But by, I remember I was wearing shorts and my leg, my like, bare leg was out. And I'd obviously said something that had struck a chord with him. And the next thing, he just took his hand and, like, slapped my thigh so hard. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, what's just happened? Yeah. Like, And you almost can't process it. It's no. like, oh, my God. Like, I've just been slapped. And, like, my only my only other experience of, 
having that was when I was like told off as a kid yeah um sorry mum you <laughs> did do it sometimes um but like that was my only other experience of it but what happened after that was the oh my god I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that oh my god I'm such an awful person and the kind of and then I found myself mm. being like oh no don't worry oh god, you're okay yeah. like oh my god you're fine and he ended up getting so uh, worked up about it and then you know then he'd take me out for a nice dinner and yeah. be like oh I'm so sorry and suddenly I was like I was the one apologizing to Always. him this is what what you're saying is so interesting because I think no one realizes so when that culminated and he actually like hit me mm. everyone my mum my sister my friends were all like really worried about it but by the time we'd got there that wasn't even like no. a big deal because all I was like prepped and primed mm. for that like mm. that didn't hurt any more than mm. the emotional abuse like he would it would be small things like he'd say we're gonna go out for dinner get dressed up and I'd turn up and he'd be like I don't want to go mm. and then be like go back home and mm. that was so humiliating it was just like humiliation it was like mm. mortifying that's yeah it is it's it is the humiliation and you're so right like yeah. I part of the reason why I stayed for so long in the relationship was because I was so terrified of anyone finding out. And actually, he knew that. And he really played upon that. And that was part of the kind of control that he had over me was like, we would, he would get in the car and go and we'd smoke weed at like two, I wouldn't, he would smoke weed at two o'clock in the morning. And I would just sit there just like patiently waiting, like being like, oh my God, when can I go home? When can I go to bed? Like, I'm not into drugs. I never have been. And I used to find that side of things was just so bizarre that you would want to go out at that time in the morning to smoke weed. And then that would then lead to him kicking off about something Mm. and being like, I'm going to drop you home. And it's like the middle of the night and we would be having this screaming argument. And he knew that that, I wouldn't go home because I couldn't face having to go home and tell my mum that that had happened. So it was almost that, that humiliation. And then at the very end of our our relationship so I after I tried to end it um he kind of pulled the final straw which was to show up at my school so that was in front of all of my friends all of my teachers my entire kind of like world that I existed in and decided to that that was the place that he was going to truly truly humiliate me Mm. worse than ever before and that was where the assault took place so like I was with my school friends like can you believe that someone would have the capacity to do that Mm. um so I guess you're right like it's that it's that um it's that humiliation it's like making you feel the lowest that you've ever felt in your entire life and like now I look back and I think of course he would do that because he was so insecure and unhappy in himself that to make himself feel better of course he needed to belittle someone to the lowest that they've ever been because that gave him the power exactly and that sense of authority but like at the time I almost couldn't get my head around what I'd done to deserve it, especially at the end. I was like, what have I done? Like, what is so awful that I can have done that I deserve to be treated like this? And I'm sure you had the same. I think, yeah, and I think throughout as well, like you said about the crying thing, I always felt sorry for him and I always really thought that he was, it took me so long to understand what had happened. So like, Mm. I always thought, no, he was, I thought, first of all, I was completely convinced for ages that he was right. He really hated one of my best friends Mm. to the point where I would almost like not, see her and it's because I didn't think she really liked him and I think he could tell so he was mm. trying to like get me away mm. and then after it happened when he was crying I've never seen him cry so much I was sat there apologising mm. to him having hit me and then after that I kept going back and I kept going back for ages and I couldn't like I just felt so sorry for him and he was like promising me the world and it honestly was months I used to lie to my friends about like, I'm going to go here and I go around to his house they mm. all knew but mm. they were like I don't even know what we can do there's nothing but what we can do say you, what would you like because yours is slightly different to mine in that obviously like you say your friends sort of knew and your mum and dad like 
Mm. Um, my mum knew after. So my mum only found out when he hit me because it only it was only that one time oh, okay. he properly like. But like, what do you think your friends could have done in that situation to have like saved you? So it's really interesting because like, like not that long ago, I have another friend who's kind of in a different situation. And what it was for me was they all got, which is fair enough, and it makes complete sense because it's a natural thing to do. But they were like, "We hate him. You can't go near him. If you go to him, I won't speak to you." So all that did was make me scared to tell them about it. So I think what you've got to do is be really open-minded and kind of be like, look, um, it doesn't matter what you're going through, I completely understand, mm. and try and not... Basically, I then, they I alienated myself. Mm. I wouldn't speak to them about it, so mm. I just like, start lying. Mm. If they'd been like, oh, you're still seeing him, are you? Oh, okay, well, let us know when you're there and like mm. tell us when you're coming back. Mm. And then I would have felt like I could trust them with the mm. information. Mm-hmm. But because I had like him on one side and them on the other... Mm. It made me kind of feel like, oh, I can't tell them anything because they hate him. And I, mm. in when you're in that controlled state where someone is literally like controlling you, mm. I felt like I had to pick him. And this, yeah, you're right. And and also, I think you touched on it earlier. Was also saying the fact that they make you very, very dependent on them. Mm, yeah. So I became dependent on him for just stability and like getting me out the house and yeah. all those kind of things. And and sadly that dependence doesn't really go away so no matter how far he can push you away you always feel like you end up having to go back oh, it because was you like feel the like they're your world yeah. it was so bad so even when I knew I couldn't be with him and then it was one day actually funny enough like after the, it was like months months later and he looked at me and I just saw this like anger and mm. I literally got so scared I just ran out and I never spoke mm. to him again mm. and then I went and spoke to a counsellor at the uni and all I said was like oh he'd like he hit me once and then this happened and I feel really sorry mm. for him and she literally got a piece of paper she was like, do the, any of these things relate to relationship? And it was like signs of domestic abuse. Mm. And every single thing on mm. that piece of paper was my whole relationship. Mm. And my sister had even said to me, she's a doctor, and she was like, this is classic domestic abuse, and you want to go back. Oh, they always go back. Like, mm. it's so classic. Mm. And I was like, no, no, no. And it took me probably until, like, the following year to actually come to terms, like, what had happened. Mm. And everyone knew about this point, like, lots of people in the uni, it was quite small where I went. And then, like, years later, I hadn't really thought about it. And he was telling everyone that I'd made it up. And I never really wanted to speak about it then because I was like, well, they would think I'm lying yeah. and, like, I don't have any proof and I never reported him. But, like, why do you think no, none of these cases get reported? Exactly. Like, there are so many more glamorous, not glamorous, but, you, you like, you know, someone gets mugged in the street, people see it, Some, something happened, like, a robbery or whatever, there's evidence. But, like, when something goes on behind closed doors and also when it is basically his word against yours mm. or, you know... It's so difficult, and that's why I'm slightly grateful in some ways that the culmination of my experience happened very, very publicly, yeah. because finally, and although I couldn't see it then, someone saw, someone yeah. knew, and someone was able to help. Like, my my mum, and actually we just did an interview for Women's Health about their strong mind, for their Strong Mind campaign, and it was, like, really emotional, because we both sat and were interviewed about the experience, and we haven't really spoken about it since, like I went to court um went through a court case he got done uh, like got found guilty um my dad I actually sat in a video link room so I wasn't in the courtroom but my dad sat in the courtroom which I found awful that, that he had to see him because I didn't have to see him mm-hmm. um but speaking to my mom about it like there were so many things that I've sort of you know when you your mind protects yeah. itself and your brain like bl- blanks out like whole pieces of my life during that period that my brain just doesn't want me to remember but speaking to my mom about it and she was saying you know um she would literally sleep in my bed some nights because I would have these like involuntary panic attacks where I would literally just be like 
on it and mm. I thought I was dying I remember one time being like to my mum take me to the hospital I am dying like oh mm. my god and like that, and anyone that's experienced panic attacks knows how real it feels when you honestly feel like you are you cannot breathe I thought I was having a heart attack I thought I was dying and my mum just having to be there and be like it's okay you're alive yeah. like you're fine and that fear constantly that I was ever going to see him anywhere I became really like agoraphobic and not wanting to go out and um it was just like it was and you don't realize I think you said the same thing you look back and you're like oh my god that really like knocked me for Mm. six for like a good two years of my life I was a completely different person and trauma plays out in loads of different ways and everyone's experience of it is different but certainly mine was everything shut down nothing I felt no emotion I felt nothing I just wanted to almost protect my brain so I just forgot everything and similar to you only in the last couple of years I started to have like flashbacks Mm. it was really weird I would literally be out doing my thing and then suddenly I'd be like oh my god that happened to me and it would literally just come back into my mind and I would have like this flashback of what had happened and silly thing not the silly things and they're not silly but like there was one time that I really remember where um I think I tried to break up with him and he sat, he was, he parked up his car by this railway bridge around where we live, sat on the edge of this bridge and was like, if you break up with me, I'm going to kill myself. And he was saying yeah. that he was going to throw himself off this bridge and he was like, sat on the edge of the bridge and I am, was literally there like, oh my God, like, and, and that emotional turmoil that I just completely wiped out of my mind suddenly just came flooding back to me like three years later. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god that is that's that those threats are some of the worst things and i've had that said to me Mm. as well and that is really scary Mm. and i think stuff like that people don't realize that that is abusive yeah it's so it's keeping you trapped Mm. i think there's so many levels of abuse that it's so nuanced that people don't really necessarily know that it's Mm. a thing well if you look at things like coercive control now and also like i think this is a sign of the times i guess but like I think people of our generation are perhaps a little bit more attuned to what an abusive relationship consists of. Whereas I listened to a Radio 4 documentary recently about coercive control where they spoke about um, women that, you know, had been in relationships for like 50, Mm. 60 years, that their children were highlighting their dad's abusive behaviour and saying actually I don't think that's right and exactly but they're you know they're so far deeper and also that it was a different time and you know relationships were different then that's the kind of excuses that they put on it but in my eyes like abuse is abuse it doesn't matter whether you're 16 or you're 64 you know whatever it's not okay I do think that um even if you look at like vows I spoke about this in a YouTube video I did the other day it Mm. would be like to obey my husband I do think Mm. that years ago we have come leaps and bounds in terms of like feminism and equality but I do Mm. think that it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the relationships in like maybe 56 years ago or even more recently were actually built off a basis of control Mm. um with the man being in the power dynamic and that isn't me being like no no no. I think that's just a structure that would have existed yeah yeah and it's it's now that we're able to talk about these things and realize that especially because we have more mobility in terms of working and children and Mm -hmm. all those other things when you're not confined to the kitchen or Mm. whatever then Mm. suddenly those pressures become a lot more obvious and and I think a lot of the time you're absolutely right as women get more power more financial independence Mm. more independence in general that shift in the balance actually really has probably thrown off quite a lot of men yeah and suddenly what was the natural done thing that the man went out to work and did the work and you know those kind of like stereotypes that we have been brought up to believe or exist 
now aren't necessarily as you know the boundaries are very blurred so I think for a lot of men that can then it's that needing to assert their authority and whether they do that in an emotional or a physical way I think that that's that's part of the cause yeah and talking about like gender roles so interestingly when um so like it was like I think it was two years later and I was in a new relationship and this guy I was going to move into a house I didn't actually at uni because I actually changed my course because of everything that happened I hadn't gone to uni so Mm. I took a year out and swapped courses Mm. Um, and then so in my final year all my girls were leaving uni so I was going to move into a different house and I was moving in with a group of girls who I knew and one of them it turned out started going out with the guy that hurt (gasps) me so I told her and I said you can't go out with this guy this is what happened blah 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 she was like mm, um, she's like kind of spoke to him about it and like basically didn't believe me so I was like I can't move into that house because I'd already told my mum that he didn't live there I hadn't seen him I'd never bumped into him luckily but I'd, my mum used to drive around where I went to uni at night to see if he was there like see if my house she was like so scared and so I was like I can't move in so I didn't move in and then it was like the new year that year I got messages from this girl being like you were right and I was like fuck because the one thing my mum said to me was if you don't report him now and this happens to another girl again. and she gets killed or something which do you know how do you know how much this is like my story I literally I was at uni and my phone rang and it was like two years late no three years later maybe I was in my like final year of uni my phone rang this girl um I picked up the phone and this girl was like are you Alice and I was like yeah who's this and she was like I don't you don't know me but I'm dating my ex um and I know that he was abusive to you and he's doing the same to me and Mm. I'm pretty sure that she said she was pregnant with his baby Mm. and like there was just so much that was like wrong and actually the worst thing that I did then and I have horrific guilt about this was I just went I'm really sorry I can't help you because I couldn't like yeah you don't and, have the and now I'm like I don't know who that girl is I don't know where she is and I I oh my god it makes me feel so upset I unfortunately wasn't in the right place to help her and now I have to live with that guilt of like mm. I don't know what what came of that and it was the most traumatic thing for me because at the time all I wanted to do was just protect myself yeah. because I couldn't get back and involved I don't know I, and I don't know what I could have done I honestly don't but like I I wish at the time and I think that's why I feel so passionate about working with women's aid now is that like I visited women's aid I've yeah, I sat in the call center that they have which is 24 hours and like some of the people that ring up there like it's so harrowing to hear people's stories um not that I heard like I didn't listen into specific calls but just some of the stories that the women that work in the call center were telling me about you know like I I am just so um sad that I didn't know about that then yeah and that I didn't feel confident enough to be like I can't help you, but you can speak to X, Y, or Z. Do you know what I mean? And also, we've had different levels, I guess. Yours probably sounds like it was more intense, but I remember at the time thinking, well, he only hit me once. Mm. Or like, so I, it was one instance, I like came up from a night out and he literally, I was actually a bit drunk, I'd been out, and he just smacked my head against a banister, mm. he punched me in the face. Mm. Like, if he'd smacked me a different way when I was in the hospital, like, you could have literally... Mm smacked your head but I remember thinking oh but it's only once that's not domestic abuse like this isn't this isn't what other people go through but also you're doing exactly the same that I did so what the I think the problem is that we're like even now I'm saying this I'm like I bet if he ever listens which he would never would but if someone listened they'll be like oh she's made this up and it's like I remember thinking that I couldn't tell anyone or, or like telling this girl and I just felt like helpless but if I'd reported him at the time which I wasn't in a position to do because I was trying to protect him he probably would have gone to prison because of his previous convictions and this is why this argument and the me too thing and coming out in this Brett Kavanaugh thing it's so 
hard you most people don't speak about things straight away because but why like why do we live in a world where women aren't believed yeah because we're still so far behind where we should be you know like you're you're exactly the same as me i almost justified his behavior yeah he didn't actually like at one point he didn't actually physically hit me he fucking (laughs) sorry to swear he got my arm and bit my arm Uh. i had a chunk in the back of my arm where i had a mouth mark and bruising for like three weeks i had to wear long sleeve tops in the summer so that my mum wouldn't see like and i was like but it's not hitting me and domestic abuse is about punching someone in the face and we we like justify their behavior and it was always because like even though I had a physical mark on my body that yeah. shows a bite mark, and honestly, like, I, I, I just think to myself now, how stupid. I could have literally just lifted up my seat and been like, oh my God, mum, like, this has happened. Yeah. But I just thought, no one's going to believe me. And also, how would I prove it? But also, when you're, usually, when you're in that position, they've, it's like, you've been, pre- I know that I'm saying this as if these people are like sociopaths, and I don't mean that because I think that everyone is human, and I do think it's conditioning, and there'll be a reason why, mm. I don't think that that, each individual that commits domestic abuse is necessarily like, individually culpable for it, I think mm. it's a conditioning, and, and it's, and it's a miseducation or whatever, but normally like- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. By the time I got there, as I was saying, like when he hit me, I was so obsessed with him, and all of my self worth was dependent mm. on his mm. opinion of me. Mm. So him hitting me, I kind of felt like I probably deserved it. Or like if he said something, he would say stuff like, "She looks amazing. Why don't you look like that?" And then I'd feel so upset about that all day. And mm. even if my girlfriend said like, "You look really nice," it wouldn't mm. matter because mm. he'd said something badly. Mm. So it's so hard to explain that like when something really bad happens, it's not about the hitting or whatever. It's the fact that for months and months and months, you've basically been like brainwashed. Mm. And I think that's the part of domestic abuse that people don't speak about enough Mm -hmm. it's the actual emotional Mm. turmoil that you go through well it just breaks you down to your lowest point that like you almost expect the worst yeah you expect like just for it to kind of like yeah to be unfortunately um like hit is that this is kind of like what what, how low how much lower can i go yeah that's like the lowest of the low but i think you're right and i think you've raised a really interesting point about like are they and, and like it's it's something that I've toyed with in my head for so long. Like, are people born evil? Like, yeah. do they have this in them? And the fact that both of the, our partners have reoffended does that show that like that is just within them that they are that kind of person? Yeah. And like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And I think that's a, a whole nother debate of like nature versus nurture. But what I do know is that, and I said this in in my interview with Women's Aid, is that like on paper, I was a private school. I had a loving family. I had, um, you know, everything. I was re- studied really hard. I was a really good student. I was house captain of my yeah. house. He came from a very nice family, lovely parents, really nice sister. There was nothing yeah. on paper that traditionally, and I know that sounds awful because you can never tell, but that people would say that would lead yeah, to a domestic, a domestic abuse, an abusive relationship. So is it something within them? 
Is it something that some people have inside them that that not knowing how to deal with anger and frustration, emotion, is that something that that they need help with? Of course, yeah. But like, are they born with it? Well, it's so interesting because when I when I then saw him again, and he was like crying about it. I sat with him, and he then admitted to me that he'd actually hit his ex girlfriend, and that his mum knew, and that oh. the ex girlfriend had driven to the house. And the mum was like, "I can't speak to you," because I rung mum. She's like, "I don't want to speak to you," and that really upset me mm. because I remember thinking I'm going to protect him. I almost didn't want to speak to my mum because I mm. thought my mum was going to get him in trouble. Mm. That's how like warped my brain was. That's like like my, my, I was exactly the same. And yeah. it's so weird because I think that obviously everyone fears like his mum's probably fearing for her son, thinking like he's already got. A record for getting into fights had I said something he probably might have gone to prison or something would have happened Mm. so she's protecting him but for as long as we normalize the behaviors and whether that could be your mum your dad anyone I Mm. think we have to really I say it about like rape culture and all these different things but you can't ever excuse a behavior and kind of accept it expect it to go away Mm. and I think with I think that rape culture I think that abuse I think all of this usually boils down to toxic masculinity Mm. which makes often men because they often are I know that women can be abusive as well Mm. but I think it comes that speak themselves yeah and I think it comes from a place of where they feel like a lot of the time that they need to be this heroine in a woman's life or they need to be this man that is doing everything and actually the pressures to be masculine are just as Mm. as surmountable as the pressures to be feminine but they become a lot more dangerous and a lot more toxic. Mm. And I think some of the times that actually, I think these men probably are a product of a society that champions, you know, like hegemonic masculinity, which is being really sporty and manly Mm. and testosterone and having a good girl on your arm. And, Mm. and I think that it comes from, I think it's a bit of nature. I think they, I think I used to think he had anger issues Mm. and I was like, why don't you speak to um, civil, what's it called? Like civilians aid or whatever. um, Salvation army. No, no, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. what is it called like, I don't know um, civil help no I think I'm making it up I can't remember there's something you can ring there's like a helpline for like people and I was like you're gonna get will you get like anger management yeah. and he was like yeah so I think I think you have to have tendencies to be able to get angry but then it's also like coupled with um, like conditioning from society but also I think it bringing it back to like how you or I might have avoided the situations that we were in I think it comes down to Firstly, education. Yeah. I think we just need to understand that, like, it's okay to... Like, I wish that one of my friends had turned around to me and said, do you know what, Alice? I actually... I don't think it's okay that he won't let you come and see us or that you won't do that. But my friends did that and I just... I just was like, well, I want to see him. So Mm. it didn't work. Like, it's interesting because I think by the time they were saying that, they were like, no, no, that's not normal. So I'd come home that he would do that thing where he'd be like, let's go out for dinner. Honestly, make me get dressed up and I'd walk all the way to his house in heels and it would be like 10 minute walk. Mm. I know it's not far, but obviously in heels, you're like thinking in your head, you're going out and then I'd get there. That's far in heels. And then he'd be like, oh, I'm too tired, I don't want to go out. And it'd be so embarrassing and I'd have to walk back home and I'd lock myself in my room and cry and the girls be like, no, no, this is okay. Mm. But that weirdly, that humiliation kept me feeling like because my self-worth was so dependent on what he Mm. did to me so that made me almost like addicted I can't explain it it was the weirdest thing it was almost like I was Mm. obsessed no 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 I completely I completely get it and my girl yeah it didn't help and I had a Mm. friend who was in a relationship which I thought was quite toxic so I my thing was I actually kind of kept him quite I pretended that I really liked him Mm. I was quite nice to him Mm. he then also when they did eventually break up he wanted to talk to me about stuff because he couldn't Mm. didn't realize Mm. I was actually kind of trying to manipulate a manipulator basically yeah because that's the thing it's such a manipulative situation Mm. I think I think fundamentally 
I don't know if you can have always avoid it. No, and, and, and I do, and I think you're right. Like I, I say that with like very blue sky thinking that we might be able to have avoided our situations. Mm. I don't know whether we would have done. And I'm a really strong-willed person as well. That was the thing. I remember thinking out of everyone, but, how did yeah. this happen to me? When I came out of it, I was like, I'm the most opinionated. But same, yeah. And the most like out of all my friends, you would probably pin me the last one to be put in a situation mm. where someone was like treating me like that and like I sit here like you and I I think we have similar qualities and like both of us are very like headstrong very like and now so like self-assured and like know my self-worth and I guess I'm speaking for you but both in really happy relationships and I think the positive thing I guess is that we have I guess both come out the other side and found strength and courage and um shown that there's life after abuse as so well so that's my one thing that I'm like I'd never say like going through bad things is good but one thing I have is that the funny thing was after that that's how I started my Instagram that's mm. how I got into fitness and that's how I ended up doing this podcast and everything and the little bit in the back of my head I'm like that's my fuck you mm. to him because it's like it was that was probably one of the worst things I've ever been through mm. but out of that became all the good things so it's not to say that like that he made me do it but it's to be like instead of me getting my revenge or like doing something bad I just Mm. became better Mm. but obviously it would be ideal if it hadn't happened Mm. but you can definitely it definitely taught me to be stronger Mm. and I definitely think that maybe actually part of the reason why I was able to get into that was I think I didn't know myself well enough I was too young and I was quite insecure and that's when you are vulnerable to Mm. someone that's going to make you feel like you're the world Mm. so the best thing I think in any circumstance when you're entering a relationship is try to know yourself fundamentally first Mm. but it's hard and you've got to make mistakes Mm. and and also like I think you were a little bit older than I was but like don't um, it sounds it sounds easy but like don't ever be um like rush into like yeah. I, I was just desperate to have a boyfriend so I was settled for whatever yeah. came my way and unfortunately that was a really bad experience and you know I think now I look back and I think god why didn't I just enjoy my time with my friends and being mm. young and like I missed out on a lot because I was just isolated for an entire year like I lost a lot of friends because of it and I unfortunately missed out on so many experiences um and I just think, yeah, I, I just want, I wanted to grow up before, before my years. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to, to have that. And unfortunately it kind of backfired. But I think like my biggest thing now is just awareness and getting people to talk and making sure that people understand what constitutes abuse. Because I think a lot of people like, our, like my perception of abusive relationships was mainly the physical it was like if he hits you that is abuse otherwise it's not and like people suffer the most horrific emotional abuse oh completely um that can be you know just as just as painful and just as distressing as the physical stuff for real like my i remember my sister had a boyfriend that would cheat on her but she didn't know and he always used to call her a psycho and I remember I used to believe him and she'd be like I honestly think something's going on for years he'd be like no Mm. no 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 and then it all came out that all that time like he had been cheating on her and she wasn't a psycho she didn't make up you know when you know something yeah yeah I hope you guys know that that is abuse like that's called Mm. gaslighting it's when you make someone feel like they're being paranoid for behavior Mm. that you're actually doing and I see that a lot I've seen that not so much now but when we were younger I remember that being like 
it's been on TV. It's even always recently. a thing. Yeah. Like, and I think you're so right. And like, how has that only just become a thing yeah. that we, we have a name for it now? And suddenly it's like, just because one one person did it on telly, suddenly it's like, oh yeah, now we'll talk about it. Yeah. Because it's kind of, it's been on TV. But like, that's been going on for years. Yeah. Why is it now that we only care about it? Like, great, but also like, way too late and I hate to gender things but especially as a woman there is language that is only used for women which Mm. is like psycho and bitch Mm. and all those words no one ever really calls a guy a psycho not very frequently Mm. and it's language often used to make you feel like you're being um, over the top or dramatic because like we as women are just told we're emotionally unstable all the time and that we're um, hysterical and all the stuff and it's absolute bullshit you only have to look at the trial that's going on at the moment in America and like I mean, she's literally being painted to be some, like, emotionally unstable woman. And and, and I, I watched some of it while I was away. I haven't watched all of it, so I can't speak as an expert. But, like, I just found it appalling. It's the fact that in, like, rape trials, I was talking about this actually earlier with my friend who used to be a lawyer. She was like, it's the fact that they can use sort of, like, sexual history or, like, mm. any of that against you mm. as if it's remotely relevant. It's mm. The question is always down to, what did this woman do to deserve this action mm. rather than why are men out there acting like this? Mm. And it's always put on how to prevent yourself from getting raped or how to prevent yourself from getting hit rather mm. than let's stop men raping, hitting and abusing. That's so true. It's never ever mm. that argument and that is because we live in a patriarchy fundamentally. <laughs> everything everything I do, I did a blog post yesterday about diet culture and the end of it, Matt was like, I don't think you can blame it all on the patriarchy. <laughs> and I was like, does it come across like that? He's like, a little bit. But the thing is, is that like, that's your experience. Mm. That's your experience in, in this world. And your experience is just as valid as the next person. Yeah. Like, I feel it probably just as much as you. And I think the 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 worst thing we can do is to tell a woman that her experience isn't valid. Yeah. If you feel as though you're living in a society where you are still dominated by a, a sense of patriarchy, like, that's valid. Yeah. Like, you feel that. That's real. No one can tell you that that's different. And I think... Um, that's something that we just need to, to to sort of deal with in our heads is that like it's okay to feel like that and I think you know if there's one thing that I love social media for it's for challenging my beliefs yeah. you know reading things like that you've written um and you write so well and you've written stuff where I've been like oh my god yes like yeah you basically like said what I've been feeling or something that's been in my head or you've helped me to understand something that I couldn't quite necessarily get my head around um there are some people that are so so good at articulating um, the world we live in now and, mm. and commenting on things that I've... I always love, like, the, for example, the Hilo podcast. Oh, so I always good. liken it to, like, I, I feel like I'm sitting in a group of my best girlfriends and they're all, like, really intelligent. Yes. And I'm just a bystander and I can just sit back and listen and be like, oh, yeah, I actually do think that. But, like, so the way that they talk um, gives me power to be like oh okay like now I, I, I can have these thoughts and feelings and, and feel like I can challenge my own beliefs and we were speaking earlier about how um, you know people write nasty things on our Instagram yeah. posts and I think like living in a world where constructive criticism is praise and like we can we can be cool with having challenging ideas and challenging our own perceptions without having to be nasty yeah. about it that's that's what I'm all for I think what's really interesting actually listening to that does just make me think that I think in my relationship the funny thing was I felt so a lot of it was down to like feeling so reduced to being very unimportant and only really useful for like the way that I looked or the way that I made the other person feel and what I think I've realised only in the last few years is 
the coolest thing or the thing that I really love uh, like to do is like read and learn and be intelligent but that wasn't really cool anymore like before when we were younger women weren't seen to be like that and now you listen to podcasts like The Hilo and The Guilty Feminist and things that people write online and female activists and I'm getting a really big sense of like power coming from mm. women and it's not about how they look or what they're wearing and even though that comes into it that's just like another layer mm. of what they're doing just like the top of the mm. of the pile and I think what's really cool now is that we as women do have a voice and actually we're saying like no I'm more than that Mm. and I think that's where like it's basically we're taking back power now and and, and obviously like in in society I think a little bit of the dynamic is if you think about the way that women are oppressed or the way that women of colour or people of colour are oppressed that is a slightly abusive act you know what I mean that marginalisation and that Mm. oppression Mm. so I think if we start to take power back and we get our voice and we say that you know we're more than this don't this any make sense then hopefully we'll be able to like rebalance the scale and kind of get rid of I don't think that makes any sense (laughs) it does no no no. I can see where we're going with it I can totally see where (laughs) you're going with it and I think um you're absolutely right but I just I think basically fundamentally women are having more of a voice yeah and social media I think is 100% driving that and I think that's a really empowering thing and I think I'm not right in saying I'm not going to say it because it's not a true fact. I think, but social media is one of the only industries where women are earning a significantly more amount of money than men. And isn't that an interesting fact? And isn't it interesting that suddenly um, we have this platform where we've been given a voice and we can say whatever we want and be who we want. And suddenly that is driving change. And that's that's all we needed. We just needed a vehicle to carry our oppression and our ideas and and give us something that we are allowed to then have a voice on. Because mainstream media doesn't want to hear it. And um, mainstream, yeah, like kind of industries don't, aren't really interested yet or they weren't. So kind of go go off that's so interesting because even in the fitness industry you can see that on social media women do so much better mm, like yeah. massively more mm. successful than men which is really interesting now you said that that is so true so yeah i think i think basically the the point should be that you shouldn't be scared to be who you are and mm. also shouldn't be scared to speak up or if you feel like something's not quite right don't be worried to question it and there are people that you can speak to and I think a lot of it is that, especially if you're in a relationship that's slightly toxic, is you start to question yourself and maybe think like, oh, maybe maybe I did this to them or maybe it's because I actually wasn't that good and maybe I should have washed the dishes or shut the car door quieter, mm-hmm. whatever the stupid thing is that they're blaming for their mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you've got a bit of a niggle of doubt, there's no harm in trying to speak mm-hmm. to someone or, you know, go to see a counsellor mm-hmm. or... Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a number of things and I actually got a message from someone really recently um whose friend was just coming out of a very abusive relationship and she basically messaged me and said what can I do to help and I said well there are a few fundamental things that you need to make sure that you do the first is that make sure they're safe if you're in an abusive relationship unfortunately and I felt this they know where you live mm. they know where you go like they know what school you're at for example with me they knew what school he knew what school I was at so make sure you're somewhere where you're 100% safe if um if they're then safe make sure that you get them to just talk and even if it's like even if it's just like even saying a little thing like oh oh yeah like he might have done this like just get them to try and open up and it's difficult and you and I've both spoken about how we didn't want to tell anyone and I think that is a really really hard point where you're sort of starting to realize that things aren't right but you're not quite brave enough to tell anyone yet and I think we both experienced that but if you can try and get it out of them then 
then just get them to like open the floodgates and hopefully yeah. more will come out but also direct them to to women's aid i know that i keep banging on about it but i just think they're such an amazing charity who do such incredible things they get such little funding they are such lovely people half the women that have worked there have been there for like 25 years because they just feel so devoted Mm. to helping women um a lot of the people that they um that they deal with have kids so then it's a really difficult situation because there's children involved loads of refuge centers are being shut down now because there's just no funding so then where do those people go well that's the thing when i was at shelter um a lot of actually the people that were facing housing crisis were people that had fled from domestic abuse relationships and ended up living in absolute tiny little hostels with their children awful thing that one and because because this is the other thing with the control if it goes on for long enough they might control your bank accounts and your money and your finance they might not let you work domestic abuse is more than just like Alice was saying like someone being punched in an episode of EastEnders Mm. like there is it can dominate your entire life Mm. and it can be a lot more sinister and actually scarier than you know and actually impossible to leave yeah if your finances and your kids and your everything is wrapped up in someone like the thought of even having like being able to leave that with like there was a woman who I think you had like six kids mm. like how, on how earth can, leave? can she leave and, and without women's aid she honestly would have never got out they found her I mean god bless them like they literally I think she, I think there was a woman who said she was on the phone for like three days straight to try and find her somewhere yeah. and they did but like that they shouldn't be that hard like and this is why we fundamentally need to fight for like equality and liberation Mm. and why so it's amazing that we're even able to have this conversation here right now to be Mm. honest because if you took away 30 years you probably wouldn't have been able to so we do need to see that we are making strides forwards and it is Mm. incredible yeah but there are still so many spaces where it isn't really that safe for women and we're still probably even only a small portion of society so yeah, I think it's it's definitely things are looking up and the more that we fight for our liberation and the more that we're not embarrassed to speak on things and realise that, you know, because I think a lot of the time we're scared to talk about things because as women, we're supposed to look a certain way, which is like quiet and feminine and not be angry because that's the trope, isn't it? Like the angry woman's so unattractive. But, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're attractive. Like, don't worry. Let's not make that the main focus. Do you know what I mean? Mm. No, I completely agree. And... and um I just wanted to finish. Um, I just want to say, I when I announced my partnership with Women's Aid, I, I um, created the hashtag with them that once is too much. Yeah, and I think that's something that I really want to ring in people's minds is that it, I think often like you or I both did the same thing where we kind of tried to justify their behaviours yeah. and oh it was only once, um, but no matter how big or small you feel like your situation is, if it happened once, even if you're not sure it's too much yeah and that 100%. your situation is just as valid and worthy of help than anyone else's and then like even when you sat here you were like oh yeah but your situation wasn't as you know it yeah. sounds like it was a little bit more intense but like that doesn't mean anything yeah, like so it was true. real to you and it felt very real and it felt very valid to you at the time and it scarred you for yeah. like as you said like a long time and so we need to stop making comparisons between oh my abusive relationship was worse because he actually hit me and you know there's no there's no comparison available there it's simply that if it happens once it's too much yeah and as a result you are totally worthy of help and love and um a route out of there basically i think that's so true and actually it's really sad because as you're saying that i was just thinking you're so right like i think the reason we think that is because when we see cases in the papers or when we hear about stories about Mm. lawyers or when we hear someone pushing back on it Mm. it just no wonder women feel silenced because it's like 
well, there's no point saying anything because one, no one's going to believe me. Mm. Two, they're going to be like, well, it's not as bad as this thing that mm. happened. I mean, there's just so... Look at Oscar Storis' case. Like, how... Look at Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I Two know. rape cases in New York that were dropped because there was insufficient evidence. Oh, I wonder why. Like... I know, I know. And it's always going to be the hardest thing. But if we all have a voice together, can you this imagine? so important. I just want to, no, like... Because it makes me so angry. But can you imagine how terrifying it must be to go to the police and testify against someone who is, like, a multi-million yeah. pound hero and idol in so many people's eyes? Can you imagine the confidence that that would have taken for that woman to go and do that and to stand up and say actually as much as everyone thinks this guy is a total hero he raped me and to be told that your case is not going to be seen because of insufficient evidence like it makes me i get really emotional (laughs) but it makes me so angry it's so it's so and that poor woman like no it's awful but i do think it's good because every single day new things are cropping up and even if they're getting pushed away and people aren't dealing with them Mm. and loads of cases have been over times if they didn't happen which i just Mm. don't believe because the stats of people who lie about rape it's like 0.4 percent or something stupid but i do think that there is more of a narrative around it and the more we speak about it and if we all speak about it together there is safety in numbers Mm. so if if one of us stands up and is like actually this guy's a bit emotionally abusive to us someone might be like "Mm, okay then but if 400 women are standing Mm. there going i will not stand for this and there will Mm. be consequences Mm. and you can't act like that that might make a difference. Mm. So we've got to all support each other. And obviously there will be men who are on our side too. But for the most part, us women, like you have to just, you have to not be scared to, you know, stand up for what you believe in mm. and, and believe that also your, as you say, your experience is your experience. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. We thank talked you so, much. so much. I know. <laughs> thank you so much it. for coming and talking about no, it. No, thank you. Thanks Where for having me. can everyone find you? I am on Instagram at Alice Living with a weird E. Um, on Twitter, the same, and Facebook. And um, yeah. It was really upsetting because I literally thought you were Alice Living for so long. I and think... then someone said Alice Living, and it was someone that I knew knew. So I knew they were right. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. I actually like, I, I, yeah, it's an annoying E. I don't know where my name is from. I think it's Vikings. It's great though. Well, it kind of fits the bill. Well, loads of people thought that. I think people think that you've just added living. Yeah. Because of like your living. And I'm like, no, it's my actual surname. It's my actual name, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And also, if any of this was triggering or upsetting, as Alice said, you can contact Women's Aid and there I'll maybe put some links below for websites you can visit. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.